Hello, and welcome back to the Mean Mind Podcast. I'm your host, Shawnee B., and today our guest is Brett Stomps. Welcome to the show, Brett. Hey, thanks for having me on, Sean. So we met probably mm. six months-ish ago, maybe maybe four months ago, something like that. You think so? And we met in the jiu-jitsu gym, and since mm-hmm. then I've learned that you do a bunch of other things, like like realty, you're, you're kind of starting <laughs> your own your own business around informing people about about real estate you also are run the do a lot of stuff at the lions club and you mm-hmm. run you're taking over the fireworks yep. uh like the july 4th fireworks show it sounds like so you're kind of like one of these people that every every time i poke you like <laughs> a new gadget pops out and you're like oh i also do this thing is that a pretty fair way to describe you? Yeah, yeah. I think I'm still trying to carve out a little bit of myself still and finding different hobbies that I'm into, right? So you call me up like, what have you been up to lately? And it's like, oh, well, this thing, you know? So that being said, like real estate and the 4th of July fireworks have been actually uh, big staples in my life. And I'd like to dabble in these other ideas um, as sort of my way to satisfy my thinking, right? I think you and I, we think a lot. And so we're always curious about the next thing, right? Right. And that's, yeah, that was one of the things that, I, that I'm really curious about you is you're a very um, contemplative mind. Why do you think that is? Like, <laughs> Oh, I know. What, I know exactly why that is. <laughs> do you want to share or do you want to keep it a secret? Oh, no, no, no. It's, it's part of um, why I, I have to say, you know, I wear my skin. I wear my heart on my sleeve a lot and I would be totally comfortable saying, I think that's out of my own anxieties, really why I think all the time. And I'm always looking to satisfy those thoughts. And of course we all have like traumas that cause us to do certain things and different strategies that we have, right. That maybe uh, lead us to these actions. So that's, that's how I'd answer that is anxieties that I have. I, go into these um, cycles of just interest in different things. So don't know exactly why, but I quite enjoy it. <laughs> and would you say that you're one of the, the kind of person that recharges, like, like, do you, like, do you recharge on your own? Mm. Or do you recharge by being around, surrounded mm. by people? Mm. Both, really both. I mean, even our conversation right here is very energizing right? But I'm going to need to go home later and just <laughs> hang out. Like I need my space. Go so. do some therapy afterwards. Sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'll try and take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I'm, I'm very equal in that way, but I do have to remind myself that I actually think I get more energy from people. It's sometimes more regenerative to have good, genuine connection in my life. Where do you find the most genuine connection in your life? Mm, good question. Good question. That is something that I am actually still trying to work on. And I would think that, you know, you and I, I think we have a very genuine connection. Um, we had a conversation off the podcast before where we were talking about, you know, small talk. And I was saying like, yeah, small talk's not exactly my thing. And I, and I, have to, I was wondering with myself, is that an okay thing? That that sounds like an okay thing. And, you know, should I work on small talk? Because I genuinely like a genuine connection. Right. So did you change your mind on small talk at all after we had that conversation? Mm. Or do you still refrain from small talk actively? <laughs> you know, 
sometimes people just come into my life and they actually just truly are, they are very interesting people. You ever just walk around the street or meet somebody like I was just doing my normal thing today and I just felt kind of obligated to just like say hi. I was like, "Hi, how are you?" and boom, right into a conversation. And it was small talk, really was, but it was enjoyable. So it's not my preferred method. <laughs> <laughs> right, but I think I think the point my point was there's a time and a place for small talk and it's almost like playing on the playground mm. versus trying to build some yeah. bike for example or trying to like do something constructive that has a very obvious mm-hmm. end as opposed to just playing tag on the playground, right? right. There's no point to playing tag. It's Sure. Like small talk is like conversational tag. It's just yeah. it's just play. Yeah. But I do think I do get where you're coming from that it like playing conversational play gets old. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people lean on it way too hard and that sometimes they need to go build something or do something with a little more intention. Yeah. No, I think that is as accurate, you know, being someone who would consider themselves a thinker, sometimes you might say out of anxiety, right? Was it, I am thinking bigger ideas and I feel like we do have kind of this short span on this earth. And I am just trying to explore the larger portions of it. And that, and this means to me, deeper emotions, right? Larger emotions. And I don't feel like I'm getting that satiation out of small talk. Right. And I think there's maybe some pleasures I haven't exactly felt in small talk, but it's certainly not there in my life right now. What do you get the most emotional uh, stimulation from? Conversations like this. But as far as like what, like, I mean, normally I, I te- I'm an engineer, so I tend to think of mm-hmm. the world in terms of problems and solutions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can, are there yeah. problems and solutions that, that like catalyze your emotions and get you excited yeah, or yeah, yeah. Do you oh, frame it in a different way no no have you ever read the book the strengths finders no okay so it's this book that i think there's probably like i i, I don't remember it's like 40 some descriptive you know items that and you take the test online and i think they just give you this you know five results and I recently picked up that book and started reminding myself of the test results I had as sort of a way to like center myself again. And a lot of those answers came around genuine connections with people, right? And, and it had troubleshooting in there, but like my number one was relater. I enjoy finding common ground with people. And the next one was just sort of first impression. Like I really like breaking the ice and meeting someone and getting to know them. And I mean, it's a great book, to be honest with you. <laughs> Plug. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you like meeting people and that kind of lends itself to being a realtor, right? Because that's yeah. kind of a big part of the of job. Course. Of course. Would you say, but being a realtor is also helping people find homes that they're happy with. Is like housing also a big, something that, that energizes you? Do you get yeah. excited oh, about yeah. the idea of giving people places to live and yes. or, or not giving, but uh, helping them find places to live? Yes. There's a few pieces to that that I'd want to touch on. And the first is just 
I, I'm trying to bring such a high quality service to the real estate industry, right? And, you know, creating a website was sort of my first start at that. And not every, like, not every realtor actually even has a website. Do they need it? Maybe, maybe not. But it's my flavor on how I want to present high quality. And so on there, I do these guides and um, I want it to all be high quality content because, you know, they joke, like, it's so easy to become a realtor, right? And I don't know, like, I like that challenge. So that's, that's the number one, right? There's a huge challenge there. Uh, and so that gives me energy in the real estate world is you literally create your own um, schedule, right? And I just love working. And I love that. I love the fact that this is a very large purchase. And I like having these genuine conversations with people about buying a home. And it is the utmost privilege for me to be able to be a part of that. The second piece comes down to housing and affordability and for people of our generation, right? And generations behind us, younger generations. And how are they ever going to get to a place where they can retire if they can't own a home? Because you're always giving money to somebody for rent and you're never building equity, right? And and I don't know much about this, but this would be my rant is where are we going to have, like, can we can rely on stocks? Probably, probably not, who knows? And they say like social security, that seems like a joke, right? Paying to that, but my parents, they worked their whole lives and they can barely retire, but they didn't buy real estate either, right? So they just own one home and that's it. They relied on government and their jobs to give them the retirement that they wanted. And it's not anything good. So... What do you think is the biggest barrier to most young people in buying a home? That's a good question. And a lot of that comes down to just the actual cost of a home. You know, so if someone's going to try and save up 20%, and you don't have to save up 20% for a down payment. Like you can go FHA loans to 3.5% down. But even then, trying to live in markets like you or, know, here in the... I've heard the interest rates are actually fairly reasonable with an FHA loan. Is that true or are they astronomical? Well, when you compare it to the low end of a house here in the gorge, right, where where we are, where we're recording this, that's still pretty steep, right? So you can move out meaning to Meaning the mortgage payment is steep? Meaning the actual home itself, right? So you can go back in time and look at, you know, what was a home, what how much could you buy a home for. And they, yeah, they had interest rates that were like, you know, above 10%. And so by no means, I don't think the interest rate really has a huge piece to it, but it's the actual cost of the home then associated with the interest rate. Interest rate's second, in my opinion. But the house price, if you're trying to afford, let's think like a beginner home in our area, right, in areas that people really actually want to live, is like 500 minimum. Right. right. So that's this is a big disconnect for me because I don't find the actual value of the home that nearly as relevant as the down payment and the monthly payment. Yeah. Right? Cuz that's driven that's driven by the loan that I get. Sure, but if the house was say 250,000 Right, I mean, it would have it would affect it greatly, but I, I guess I guess I've already pre-calibrated sure. that here everything is expensive. Sure, sure. It's just it's just a matter of is the down payment 
or and the mortgage like reasonable. Well, because with like because paying like twenty percent and five percent are massive differences. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah, so that I mean that just affects what your you know ultimately what your mortgage payment is. And I'm always gonna you know work with people to say if you can afford the payment, just tr- get in right get in at least you're putting money into your own pocket and you can refinance later if rates come down what's but it's getting into the home what's the worst that can happen the worst that can happen is that is when you what people did in two you know the last two years as soon as COVID hit rates dumped and they were like practically giving out free money and so rates of home prices climbed 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 right because people were willing to bid over asking because their monthly payment was still in their mind affordable but what ended up started happening worst case scenario i guess in recent times are that people are so desperate to buy a home that they jail themselves with high monthly payments to get in and so i guess because i'm a realtor i mean like that would be terrible to see my client be so strapped for cash monthly from there on out house poor right can't afford anything else and then all of a sudden like life changes medical issues job issues you know those kinds of things really you don't have enough pocket change after you make that huge of a payment well let's take it one step farther sure you can't make the payment then okay. what happens you okay get back you get foreclosed on right yeah and your credit goes to shit yep you don't have the house you don't get any of the money back that you put into it probably um to be honest i've never see i've never worked (laughs) i've never worked i've never worked a foreclosure you know market yet right because well the market's been going up for a very long time and i imagine they would probably do some kind of like forecasting of a loan or something like where they push it out even further or try to negotiate because for foreclosing for a bank is really expensive so i imagine they would probably try and avoid that (laughs) because i I, I guess like i see i see even if you buy a house even then even if you buy a house and and the value of the house, the market value plummets or goes down, like plummeting would be like, like thirty percent would be absolute plummet. Right? Sure, you're like, talking super worst case scenario. And even if that happens, you're still like you're still just investing money into an asset that in any world that isn't completely cataclysmic still mm-hmm. has value in the future oh yeah so all you're doing is you've committed to investing in your own future of course and yeah the worst case that can happen is you have a massive change in your financial picture and you can no longer sure. even pay the mortgage but here here's a here's a sidestep then to maybe this whole worst case scenario right let's say someone puts pretty much every single penny theoretically, right, into their monthly payment. I mean, worst case scenario, could it also be that you are now working two jobs, you're working your life away, and you no longer have the freedom to live your life? I mean, we're we're living in an experience economy. Like, maybe that's worst case scenario. Like, yeah, you know, like, I'm working every single day so I can have a house, which ultimately, hopefully in the future, well, you know, when you hold real estate long enough, ultimately in the future is a large part of my retirement strategy. Well, but then also along the way, I just totally wasted all my best years of my life. Right. I, I guess my point, like my point is it's a, it's hard to argue against it. Yeah. Because you can rent out rooms 
Mm-hmm. Like the downside is so limited. Oh, I'd, I'd agree. In this, in our, in the modern era in general, and then specifically with, with housing, it's like, yeah. it's, it's, I think a lot of young people are very, it's so intimidating, right? Oh yeah. And I, I, I feel like, I wonder, do you, do you <laughs> see other people having problems with commitment, wanting to commit to living in one place? I feel yeah. like our generation is so mobile they want to work remotely. They want to go, like, in this town. Half well, the that's town goes to changing. Baja in the winter. Do you yeah, think that's yeah, right. part of it, is people don't want to commit to living in one place? <laughs> um, that's, that's definitely changed here in the last few years, where people can work remotely. And it is changing the way people commit to a purchase of a home. You know, because they can go live in a van, so to speak, and they can explore, and that's where they're starting to get their version of a lifestyle that is free without the commitment of having to make a very high mortgage payment. So, yes, I definitely agree that's happening. Okay. So, we've gotten an idea of your a little a little <laughs> idea. We'll have you back to talk more about realty. Yeah. Cuz that's not the only reason that I wanted to have you here today. Um is is there a legacy that mm. you want to leave behind? Mm. Mm. Not at the moment, actually. No, no. Um, what about you? Um, I want to, I definitely want to pass on, um, I want to teach. I want to pass on the things that I've learned mm-hmm. to my children or other children. Just like I want to pass on knowledge to the next generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that'd be priority number one, and that could obviously take many different form shapes or or uh, forms. Um, so what what is the most important thing to you while you're alive? Then mm. I would have to go back to that experience bit again, and that is just to live to my own heart, right? listen to that heart and do what it wants to do and know without regret. Right. I think that's what I think a lot of people would say when they get on their quote deathbed, you know, and they look back on their lives and they want to live without regret and living with an open heart and listening in the direction I want to go. And I'm going to make mistakes. You know, we all are. And I don't think you can make too many big mistakes when you're listening to your heart. What do you think? Why are you so connected? Like, I think it's beautiful, but how do how were you so lucky to <laughs> to be so simple, so pure? Sure, I I think it comes back down to um, we talk about traumas and where we've come from, and you know what created us today. And um, I had my folks; they worked their whole lives, and now they're in the spot where they want to retire, and it's still very difficult and watching them go to work every day and I'm an only child. So like they would leave to work and I do my thing and it just felt like they were not enjoying the day that was right in front of them. And they just were waiting for a point in the future. And so, (laughs) sorry, there's like some noises back there. It sounds bad. (laughs) That was brutal. Anyways. So back to this beautiful story that I was telling and yes, please go on. 
you know, I don't want to live like my folks, you know, I want to live as much in the present moment as I can. And that's, that's where I'm at. Where you know? do you, do you dream about like when you're daydreaming, do you dream about being in a tropic on a tropical beach or <laughs> on the Oregon coast or in the Montana mountains oh, or just in Hood River, Oregon? Do you, do you dream about sure. landscapes and like natural places or do you dream about family and being surrounded by people or wh- where do you mm. daydream? Mm. I might be broken when it comes to this answer, but <laughs> you know, I'll catch myself looking out the window quite a bit and it is just watching the sunset, watching the birds, seeing the action in front of me and, and feeling my own breath and my own heartbeat and recognizing that there's so much in this world that connects us and there's so many endless possibilities that I just get captivated by that. That's the kind of like, my brain doesn't really go much further than that just goes, wow. And I think in some ways I can quiet my brain with just that. Mm. There's not a whole lot more to it. Do you meditate a lot? Mm, no, like I don't. I really don't. I, I think it's something that I could definitely get better at. And I, I guess when I say, yeah, when I, I, I meant, do you, do you meditate in the form that everyone thinks of? But sure. like, it almost sounds like you can't like a meditation can take many forms, right? Like a walk can be meditative sure. or it's, it's a way of, li- it's a mm-hmm. way of being. Um, but it, it, your mindset almost sounds meditative and like looking out the window, just be like meditation is almost like being extremely present with, uh, what like Eastern philosophy might call the true self, mm-hmm. like the, in like the, the closest thing, in to quote unquote you yeah um have you ever been like have you looked into eastern philosophy or do you like are you interested in in that kind of stuff or are you really just following your own heart i don't research it i i've read a few books and you know i read books on mindset but by mo- no means is it um based out of <clears throat> Eastern philosophies or, you know, anything like that. It is sort of just a, I know I'm working hard and I know I'm going to be okay. And again, yeah, it's like, as long as I follow my own heart, I should be on the right track to enjoying the life I want to live. You said you learn a lot about mindset. Is there a mindset that mm. has been overwhelmingly impactful on you or that, that you really focus on or that comes to mind? A mindset that really comes to mind. Like like for mm-hmm. me, I think something that has really taken a long time and I'm still I'm still figuring it out <laughs> is the fake it till you make it. Like Oh man. Which there's Brutal. so much more to that saying. Sure. Like you one of like the very first thing is yeah. like you have to believe yeah. that you're going to be there one day. And then you have to believe that you're capable of learning it today, mm-hmm. right? And it's such a powerful <laughs> mindset because it brings the future into the present and and like makes it tangible, not only for yourself, but for other people. And there's so much power in that. Yeah. So do I have a specific, you know, almost like a mantra, sure. if you will? Yeah, a mantra. Or, or around mindsets. Um, something you've been working on or... 
Sure, dude. I think there's an accumulation of so many ones. And uh, to tell you the truth, I couldn't probably pick out any of my favorite ones other than the ones that would come to my head at this very moment. And, um, you know, those, some of those things are like, you know, this will pass. Like if I'm having a rough day, it's like, this will pass. And I think as the older I get, actually, this would probably be a slight answer to your question. Just the older that I get, the more that I see these cycles of having a bad day and then having a good day and then having success and then having failure and then just being okay through all of that is sort of this um, straight line average. If you saw it on a graph, right? Bad day, good day, bad day. You know, and I'm seeing this average of just like, I am okay. And I always end up being okay. And that's, you know, that's my mindset when I have, um, self-doubt or these emotions that start to kind of unwind me and start to, you know, shake up my world as I look back and I go, okay, well, what do you made it through. What do you mean specifically by I am okay? Do you mean I am safe from danger? Ah. Do you mean I am loved? What do you mean by (laughs) I am okay? Maybe this is just because I'm really good or have been really good at suppressing a lot of emotions but um, I would say when I am okay, I'm referring to the you know the physical moment will end up being okay. Like I've overcome so many things, dude. And I mean, maybe there's a lot of people that have overcome a lot more than I have. Um, you know, but I I I guess you could say I'm okay with dying, so I'm okay there. Right. And so I'm not worried about my life coming to an end and not having done something that I wanted to do. And I'm okay with knowing confidently in myself that where I'm going, I'm going to get there on my own time. And I have great worth ethic. So I'm just naturally going to be making all the right decisions that make me happy, which is ultimately what the client wants or what I think is best for the humanity as a whole. Hmm. That's, uh, that's pretty powerful. The, the, I call it the, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's putting yourself in the, as close as you can to the moment of dying. Right. Like, like, like a, like a deathbed meditation. I've been a very sick man in my prior years, and I still have to deal with some of the the side effects. And, you know, you might not know, but I've, I've been in the hospital told that, you know, you got a little bit of life left in you there, you know? <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, so this is pretty bad. And seeing other people going through worse is always, you know, an eye opener, but getting out of those situations and recognizing that you don't need a lot. When you were in that situation where someone told you you don't have a lot of life left, did how did you get through it by letting go and accepting death, or would you describe it some other way? Well, I think I'd like to add a little bit of context in there, and I by letting go and accepting death was probably what felt like a better alternative because I hadn't really experienced life ahead of that. And 
if that if my current state was the life that I was going to continue to live, it wasn't all that great. And so it was sort of like, eh, you know, no big deal. You know, that's all right. <laughs> right. And I also mean that in a very, like I said it in a crude manner, but I mean that in an honorable manner or in a, in a, a very, I guess what is easy for me to say, but it's almost like a philosophical manner, like mm-hmm. making peace yeah. with the idea with the concept of death as opposed to letting it manifest fear inside of you. Mm-hmm. Um, so was, was that what, like, what got you through it? Like, did you, was it you did, did medicine get you through it or did you just get lucky? Did, did some higher power, like, sure. What got you through what it? What got me through that? Well, it it was a medication and I think the irony of it is that I could the whole situation could have been avoided um, with just proper guidance from doctors. But uh, that's a whole nother topic of just my opinion around the healthcare system because I've gotten to be too intimate. You know, I, you know, I'm one of the victims of just stupid high bills. You know, um, you know what's the cost of your life? So here you go. <laughs> <laughs> was it a case where Western medicine was not actually addressing the root problem? Yes. Yeah. But it thought it was and it made it worse? Well, actually, I mean, they gave me two blood transfusions, uh, two packets, and pretty much just gave me this tier five drug called Remicade, which is um, an immunosuppressant they give to typically older folks for arthritis. And my body was attacking itself to the point where I had been losing so much blood and my joints were just an incredible amount of pain. And, um, my body was continually, you know, getting worse and worse. And it's just friendly fire. It's a feedback loop. This, the art, the inflammation in your body was creating more inflammation, more inflammation and more inflammation. And I had been taking things like pregnisone and stuff like that. And it was just, you know, you're having like reactions to that. It's like the whole thing eventually subsided with just more, you know, immunosuppressants. And it felt like a million bucks. You know, and I was on those drugs for 12 years and they, you know, they'd all quit failing or they quit working and they would fail and you'd fall back into these um, moments of just a lot of pain, a lot of pain when your body's friendly firing itself. It's not enjoyable (laughs) to tell you that. (laughs) Did you ever, do you feel like you figured out what? is actually going on and what your body actually needs. And was there a doctor or a specialist that helped you figure that out either in person that you met with or like a book or like, sure. How'd you, how'd you find your solution? Well, I, I'd actually go on the record to say that I haven't completely figured it out, but I am a lot better than where I was um, to the point where I could, you know, function and be on a podcast like this. And, um, in, in years past, um, doctors were of no help really they were just i was rental income for them is how i saw it um but when i came out here to hood river full time i actually ran into a chiropractor um out showing property and he's just one of those spirits he just hit it off with and so um about a 
six months into just doing routine visits with them, they pretty much, you know, they were, they were actually taking better care of me than just my normal, like, um, doctors who were investigating this. Right. And she has me doing all these tests and, you know, we found out that I was allergic or at least, uh, could not eat a lot of certain foods. And so by eliminating a lot of foods out of my diet that were creating this inflammation, I was getting, I, it, that was like 50% of the battle right there. So it was mainly diet. Yeah. Oh yeah. Interesting. Oh dude. Yeah. I'm deathly allergic to chocolate. Don't even try me. <laughs> to cacao or other things in chocolate? Both. Like milk? Oh yeah. Dairy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dairy is a no go. Gluten. I think a lot of people can relate to that no-go oats like all these common foods that you find in american diets is no-go but um there are certain like mexican i can get away with that quite a bit Mm. (laughs) interesting well i'm trying to redesign my my questions because a lot of the things that I normally ask people what they're interested in are not seeming to strike. Like you're so fun. You're so raw, right? Like you're such a human. <laughs> you're not like a, you're not like a modern, um, you're not a typical modern human. Mm. Right. So like normally, perfect like, like I don't imagine that you're super, invested in like politics no i'm not <laughs> what about i mean we, we can get what into about it, like but... education do you have do you have uh do you have opinions on education did you like school where you oh, i hated it they didn't they had no idea like i was so sick man i got yeah no <laughs> do you want to go down this route so what what for you is exciting in yeah. this world dude Having my life back is one, I'll tell you that. Uh, Being able to create my schedule, create the activities in my day, and learn things as you do on a daily basis and apply them back into my life to help my friends, to help my family, to help myself, to help the environment and everything around me. So learning just about anything is exciting. Um, Though. You know, I'd be a liar to say I don't have topics that I, you know, have special interests in. Mm. How do you, ske- I, th- I find scheduling really hard. Like for this podcast, shout out to Calendly. Calendly mm. is a great tool. But if I don't use, Calendly lets me fill in my schedule for those who don't know, and then send a link to someone. And I can have pre-programmed dates where they can just select a time to come meet up with me. And that is wonderful. Without that, if I try and like, meet up with someone especially the kind of person that's interesting to have on a podcast they are busy they have a lot of shit going on do you how do you schedule how do you like manage your time and figure Mm -hmm. out when to do things or or, like do you have do you use any any apps like calendly google calendar just the google calendar yeah google calendar because I like when you're setting up times with with your clients. Is it, do you have to go back and forth a lot? Like, hey, what about mm, this time on this day? Sure. No, I can't do that. What about this time on this day? Yeah, sure. You know, it it okay. does take practice. 
certainly. Um, you know, when, when scheduling the showing for a home, for example, like there is so many other people involved that like, I don't think there is anything that's like Calendly. Cal- Calendly. Yeah. And, you know, you got to get in touch with the seller. They have to be available or their tenants have to be, you know, able to leave the home. And then your client, your buyer has to be ready and available. And then you have to be available. Right. And so it, it ends up being back and forth and that doesn't bother me too much. I think it's just part of the the customer service, but I do know some people for like initial intakes in real estate will do like a calendly setup where it's just pick that time. Hmm. But honestly, dude, for me, scheduling just takes practice. Right. And I feel like on the phone is that's, that's the thing. I, I, I am a phone, phone call person, but yeah. As I've been reaching out farther into the ether <laughs> of my social sphere, it it's more and more intimidating to just call someone at right. Like you can do it sometimes, but it takes a certain amount of energy. I, you know and, what I'd tell you? I, I'd tell you you pick the time, which you do at Calendly, right? Mm-hmm. And then let them work around it. Make them, you know. Right, but what I've been finding is these busy people don't have sure, a they, lot of time. I sure. have way more time than they do. <laughs> but I don't have all the time in the world. Um, sure. What about uh, existentialists? Like, do you... I'm, I, I'm very... Uh, I, I get very passionate about the defense of any place on this earth against nuclear weapons. Mm. I think nuclear weapons are far and away one of the biggest existential threats Mm. to the world. And I think that getting off this planet is one of the best ways to avoid that threat. Sure. The other option is to find ways to make them to defend against them or to just make it so that people don't launch them. But all three of those things are extremely complicated problems. (laughs) Do you do you get the same kind of um, or do you get any sort of like stimulation around that concern? Oh, man. I'd want a Mad Max this place up so bad. <laughs> Assuming there's some sort of survivors. Um, but I mean, what do you mean by you'd want a Mad Max this place? Have up? you ever seen the movie Mad? Is it Mad Max, right? Yeah. Where they, they pretty much just like build all the hot rods and stuff like that. Like, I'm kind of like excited about it. I'm just like, yeah, bring oh, it so on. That's not what it's going to be like. Though. No, it's totally not. No, no. <laughs> it's going to be really bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, a, I'm probably so very naive. I'm probably very naive to this question. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so you're so you're saying like, does what is my? It, maybe you need to describe what the world looks like. Tell I don't. Us a story. I mean, it looks like if that if if nuclear weapons go off anywhere near you, you're mm-hmm. going to be wishing you had a nuclear radiation suit so sure. that you can go get groceries. Yeah, but there's not going to be any, and right. you're just going to be like living death yeah right which is almost worse than dying yeah no right like it's so that sounds brutal it's so disgusting like the thing is humans are terrible at quantifying or 
accounting for things that are extremely unlikely but catastrophically impactful Mm -hmm. and that's what nuclear weapons are and i i it's almost like it's gotten normalized like a lot of people it gets talked about like oh putin might use nuclear weapons like and it's to me it's like sirens go off like spooky holy like yeah you know even if there's a point one or point zero one percent chance yeah that that happens this year or or in the next 10 right like that's a massive probability when you account for the damage that it's going to do yeah right or could do depending on how it plays out because we've only seen this happen twice before and it was it was when we did it to someone who couldn't do it back mm-hmm. i think right i don't yeah I don't think that sounds about right. Yeah. Had any nuclear weapons at the time. Um, So, like, that's something that that really um, strikes a note for me because it's it's almost like civilizational. It's almost like I feel like our civilization is on its deathbed, but no one is looking at this. No one, everyone thinks that it's too complicated to under to and it is super complicated but i just I, I i'm just looking for for strokes of passion where people say holy shit yeah that's fucking scary yeah you know or yeah. like or like yeah like i i i'd probably have to say that i'm probably on the party that is like well what could i do what could i do about it you know and and can i just should I just stay home and should I buy a radiation suit, you know? And See, I guess I, you would say I just don't draw attention to it. I Maybe think, it'll go so, away. So, <laughs> like, we live in one of the most um, highly functional communities in the world. Mm-hmm. Or, like, a maybe not one of the most, but a very high-functioning community that has that's a small town that has very healthy people, strong economy, strong tourism, mm-hmm. right? Like oh, it's yeah. it's in a lot of ways a very high functioning society, but somehow all of those people think they're incapable of changing the world. Sure, if fair, if they think they can't change the world, then who the hell is going to do it? Right. And yeah, it's going to be some kid that grew up from nothing that thought he could. Yeah. Right. So I think that's the big thing is it's, it's believing in yourself that you can make change and not, not falling for your own self doubt or criticism. Like we were saying at the beginning in the, in the fake it till you make it. Yeah. Or at least die trying or or fail hard. Right. Sure. I I mean, I guess we look at maybe just how passions are created, right? You know, how, how do you create a passion out of stopping nuclear, you know, war, nuclear wasteland? It's like making, I, I make a passion out of, I think about it like a shield, uh-huh. a philosophical shield, whether that's literally an anti-nuclear device. Okay. Or That's whether the engineer it's, in there talking, yeah, <laughs> right, or or whether it's some, uh, or whether it's prevention, 
mm-hmm. somehow like right i, sure. I just oh, can't yeah. accept impossible that seems like a great start already I, I a shield not accept impe- impossible yeah so that's how i get passionate about okay. it because i think about avo- what we're trying to avoid mm-hmm. and that really gets me you'd be a ex- hero excited is kind of a dirty word but to use in this context but it really does like like may like get me excited to think about what what you're trying to stop yeah right that's a big deal that's a huge mission it's a big accomplishment what you're trying to describe here right and it's it's not that i think it's not that that's necessarily what i really want to focus on Mm -hmm. i'm passionate about the idea and about leaving i'm passionate about leaving descendants mm-hmm. passionate about leaving family and an environment that they can not only a a, a biodiversity environment but also an economic a political a social communal governmental environment that they can thrive in for a long ass time yeah right like like even just since the romans how many badasses put my ass on this couch today (laughs) right right like that's what gets me fired up is once i've once i realize how many genetic mutations and decisions and mistakes and blood and sweat went in to my decadent ass lifestyle. Yeah, it's so true. And I feel like that's one of the one of the things that for me has really catalyzed my wanting to make this podcast mm-hmm. because that's really what what this is about for me. This is a, a place for me to unleash this ignorance, this na- naivety mm-hmm. about the world, but this passion that says, "Wait." Am I the only one that wants to pump the brakes a little bit and say, where the hell is this train going? No, no, right? I'm, I'm with you on that one. And, and not just pretend like, oh, we can't do anything about it. Because F that. No, I feel you. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, I was saying that I was probably the guy that sits, sits in the, the party that's just like, yeah, I'll probably not think about it. I mean, I do feel you. I can sense your passion here. So... That's excellent. I've had a long drive and a lot of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> right I'm not going to lie. I actually had some coffee before coming over here, too. I'm like, let's do this. We're going to have a good conversation tonight. It's funny. When I, actually, when I talked to Tanner, yeah, uh, I had a big cup of coffee right before that, and it sent me over the edge, and I couldn't even introduce uh, I, like, no, no, I, I couldn't You also talked to, to Michael, too. I, yeah. Right? The coffee pro. Yeah, the Coffee Pro. Michael's taught me everything I know about <laughs> boutique coffee. Oh, same. Um, <laughs> Michael has also taught me to just shoot your shot. I've always been so worried about what other people think, mm-hmm. whether someone else thinks it's a good idea, sure. what they're going to think if I fail, what they're going to say about how I did it if I succeed. Yeah. Right. And that's one thing that he, a lot of people have taught me that, but yeah, just speaking of Michael, that made me think of that. Do you feel like you're good at that? At just, at just taking, taking aim and just pulling the trigger 
and being confident in why you're doing it and what you're doing enough to not worry about what other people are thinking. Oh man, that's a tough one. So certainly I go through cycles and I would definitely define it as a cycle. I, I am able to, yes, when I have the right mood, go straight for it. And in other times I have the insecurity of not, and it's still something I'm trying to nail down. Like when I'm in uh, the, yeah, I'm just going to do a cycle versus the, well, yeah, I don't know. And it's something that I, I have to remind myself and it's sometimes too much for me to actually get into that other, that other cycle. It's really hard sometimes, right? Yeah. Even you can even be aware of it. Like I'll, I'll see the mental speed bump in yep. my mind and know <laughs> that I'm slowing way down and I'm just creeping like, We've over We've done this it. before. Come and on. I'm like, I've blown through this speed bump a hundred times. Just yeah. do it. Yeah. But some, I think that's the emotion. And I think, I sense a, a deep level, a deep level of, of emotional connection with yourself inside of you. And I have that a, a very, also a very deep emotional connection with myself. And I think that brings a lot of passion. It's, it's kind yeah. of like a, oh, yeah. it's kind of, a, it's, it's a superpower yes. or it's a power that needs to be wielded with wisdom and with mm -hmm. with uh, properly or else you can hurt yourself and you can hinder yourself yeah but once you learn how to use it then it's like superpower mm -hmm. yeah no i would agree with that um thinking about what you're saying here reminds me of a book by i believe it's Brene brown and i don't remember the title of it but it was very uh eye-opening regarding just building what we talked about in the beginning of the podcast, kind of that connection. You know, I understand that, you know, you understand that I am, we you know we do things that make us uncomfortable, right? But like you, you know that I'm cheering you on every step of the way, man. Like, I want you to know that too, if you didn't actually believe that, um, you know, and I would encourage you, I'd be like, yeah, he went out and, you know, shot a shot. And that relation, that continued reinforcement is something that I don't think our culture really has enough of, and um, at least not in the environment that I was raised in. Right. I, um, first off, I really appreciate that. Thank yeah. you. And I do feel that, like you genuinely exude that vibe. And it's very appreciated because it is refreshing because I, I almost, it, it, it's almost like a, like a, um, seems like capitalism <laughs> gets conflated with selfishness mm. a lot and i tend i tend to think that the more i can help other people as at while at the same time helping myself that's how that's what's going to be best for me whereas i think a lot of people like capitalism is just in the veins of this country, right? Yeah. In in the little bit of culture that this country has, <laughs> capitalism is the core of it, right? It's it's yeah. the American dream. It's about bringing yourself up by your bootstraps and achieving way more than your parents did. Yeah. But That's I also feel it. like that can cause people to be very self-centered and to their own hindrance sometimes not supportive of other people because Yeah. Oh, definitely. They're concerned about how it's going to affect them or take away from their piece of the pie. Definitely, man. And the world's just getting further and further divided. And so it's just more and more people 
uh, maybe not this community, so to speak, but in other communities that I visited and have spoke to people who live there, it just, um, like I grew up, for example, in a community that, you know, you go walking downtown, man, you, you better watch out, you know, and versus here, it is, you know, how is your day? Like, how can we relate? And, you know, there's still a little bit of that uh, divide that I can feel, at least in re- in respect to like talk about people who work here as waiters, right? Versus those who probably don't have employment or never will have to have employment here in this community, right? The Trustafarians you're referring to. The Trustafarians. <laughs> oh, I've never heard that. That's excellent. Yeah. And, you know, the older, um, at least this country gets, the further that divide continues to be, right? I mean, call me naive, right? That's the, probably the point of the podcast is like, I didn't even know what old money was. I knew what, like, I, someone says old money, new money. Have you heard that? Not really. Okay, so like old money is like Charles Schwab, right? Like, or, or for that might be a terrible example, but old money would be money that has been in the family for generations and generations, mm. right? Where new money would be like if you created a a solution to this nuclear wasteland right and you just became a trillionaire in your lifetime you're the first person of your family to become wealthy or whatever that's new money the guy who's got you know the lamborghini you know that's probably new money you know versus the guy who's driving the aston martin might be the old money less flashy right <laughs> <laughs> let's see what road were we going down? I know, I totally just derailed us here. Uh, we're, I think we're talking about uh, just this gap growing in society, or, or are we talking about further back? Yeah, and th- yeah, no, that's 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 the vein. It was making me think of you said you said we're getting more mm. divided, and I actually, I up until a couple months ago, I did see that, but I've started to see a shift. And I've seen less division. I haven't seen much more um, organization or effective unification. Mm -hmm. But I actually do think that people have rallied a little bit around, quote unquote, common enemies. Sure. Right? I think somehow the environmental crisis is starting to get get embraced by not only the liberals but also the conservatives um but i don't necessarily see solutions it's just like both sides accept that it's a problem and interestingly it still seems like people just support their side of their left right side of the political Mm -hmm. spectrum even though there's not a whole lot of meaningful difference between like in why they're supporting one side or the other it's it's just that's their side, so they support it. <laughs> Another one is like I think um in the defense space, the Chinese Communist Party has very intensely united um I think I think a lot of people, except for the people who are just like anti defense, like there's some people that just like want to cut all defense spending and probably police funding as well sure and yeah they i don't think are very on like unified by this they don't count <laughs> i don't know it's just interesting because like a year ago do you feel like 
people were way more feisty with their mm. opinions than they are today. Mm. Oh, of course. I mean, I think what was happening in the world was affecting people's routines. Um, it was affecting people's wallet books. You know, it, it was way more apparent in our everyday lives, right? Like we've had the silent piece of electronics and social media that people really weren't noticing because it was just so hidden and addictive. But then when you're pumping your gas, for example, or um, you can't buy a roll of toilet paper, you're like, nope, I can't handle it anymore. (laughs) So I do think people were getting a lot more riled up in the last few years. I think you lost me there. What what do you mean exactly? Everyone had their yeah yeah. What can you can you open that up a little bit more? Sure, sure. So let me restate. So you restate the question, and then I'll expand again. Are you saying essentially? Do you, do you think that people are more diplomatic in their opinions, hmm. or more? willing to explain them calmly and and even tend to be more so in agreement. Okay. Okay, so I, I misunderstood the question then. Okay, so are they more are they more agreeable today or are they just sort of like no you're wrong kind of instance? A little bit. Yeah, my, my, like are they like a year ago it seemed like people were just fighting to fight. Blo- yeah. And now they might not they might not have actually changed their opinion that well see it's i think i get what you're getting at yeah it, it's it just seems like people are in a bit maybe it's just a mood it's just like people sure. let people aren't as locked up after the pandemic yeah during as they were during the pandemic and now they're just like in a better mood but it just, it just seems like politics is like a little bit more um unified mm-hmm in in terms of what people actually care about like roe versus wade it seems like a lot of people like in i guess you know to be fair i'm sure there's a bunch of people that are really happy about what recently happened with roe versus wade Mm -hmm. and abortion but it also seems like there's it's unifying people against what happened with roe versus wade on both the left and the right um it seems like there's there's other things like like I was saying with defense. Now that we actually have military adversaries who do have cutting edge technology mm-hmm. that can out um, army are out yeah strat- like outperform ours. All of a sudden, people are on the same team, and the conversation just has a different tone. Sure. So we're on the same team against them, as opposed to you're the other, you're the enemy, like yeah. the other side of the political spectrum. They don't necessarily agree on everything, but seems like feels like we're a little bit more on the same team, at least. Sure, sure. No, I I, I would sense that as well. Um, I've noticed that a lot more during you know the pandemic, right? I think we definitely all need to come together a little bit more. But to tell you the truth, I. You know, I don't have much probably to expand on that. Right. Um, I don't either. I think it's just kind of one of those feelings that we'll have to see if it if it turns out to have any sort of meaningful I, change. I, I, you know, I, outside of the politics piece, because I don't really get much into politics, you know, 
um, I have at least noticed that some of the the bad trends that are going on in the world have definitely been getting caught. And uh, I do have a, a sense in that world that people are fighting them together, right? Mm. Um, awareness around technology and social media being one of them, right? Um, I think we've seen a major increase in just the way we approach um, the way people want to be treated, right? There's a lot more people changing their sex these days. And, you know, just uh, we go back even to racism. Like a lot of this stuff, and maybe I'm, again, ignorant and naive to all this, but I think there's a lot more uh, equality these days into what people want to be identified as, right? And I think that's a part of that, right? We're all coming together in agreement there and standing up for one each other. Yeah, I, I, I do think there's a lot more. Um, it's it's almost like a it's a lot more progressive mindset. I do think the progressives have gone off the rails in a lot of ways, and some people say that's a necessary overcorrection. I'm not sure that it's it is in fact necessary <laughs> but it's there and it is what it is but yeah i do agree like um yeah it, it, what what do you think keeps you from being more invested in politics is it boring mm-hmm. is it unimportant you know scary i bet you marcus aurelius would have something to say about about this <laughs> i swear i read something about him where he's like you gotta get into it it's the only way to become a man or something like that like you have to be invested in your local uh community and in politics and um why am i not invested into politics too much well probably um i guess lightly touching on what we just talked about uh you know two topics ago was I felt like people were just mean. They they were never really there to listen to someone else's opinion. They were just there to just tell their opinion and that's all that mattered. And um, so having open discussion that is listening to everybody is certainly, you know, I think improving. So I might end up starting to get into politics more, but I'm not interested in um, large politics. I, I don't know how to describe it, like from... Like federal you know, level. Yeah, you know, that stuff is just so hard to follow on a day-to-day basis. And I have enough on my plate trying to just affect the community around here that that's sort of my focus is well, I can't control really what's out there too well, but I can certainly control, you know, my community here and see the benefits of that. I often dream, or often is a strong word, I sometimes dream about a network of communities at the local, like county level, the state level, and then the federal level that are communities that talk, like like town halls, basically, that talk about politics, mm. right? I think part of that is having social interaction, having status, having having power being able to affect the people around you but having it be a place that's like curates respectful 
rigorous debate and discussion and informing the mm-hmm. community, empowering the young people to learn and come into the process and putting putting people face to face with other people who do have strong opinions and do have a, a large political knowledge base so that they can put trust behind someone who has done a bunch of research. Just like just like when a really good athlete says, oh, I've been doing this new breathing technique and it is the shit, right? Yeah. Like there's, there's a lot, there's a huge amount of credential, um, like momentum yeah. Oh, yeah. behind whatever they say just because of their reputation. Sure. And I feel yeah. like it's, it's the same thing with, with politics. It's, it's just that doing it, we've relied so much on, doing it through devices these days that it's really hard to trust people oh man yeah right like if i was going to make one comment i would agree you know tying it back into the you know why am i not interested in politics it just seems like there's so many jokesters out there that are just trying to work the system to their own favor you know and again i'm naive don't trust me but right um, and i think i whether or not that's right which I think that's a gross oversimplification, and I don't think you disagree. I'm a simple man. I think the fact that that's <laughs> how it feels is the point. Yeah. There's no place that makes it not feel like that. I think podcasting is the closest thing to a town hall these days. I think it's where it's the place where people can talk and talk and talk. I can just talk all day, and people can get as yeah. bored as they want, and they can turn me off or they can listen, right? Right. But in like, political debates like official political debates there's not a lot of rigorous conversation really happening and i think it's missing i think like today i was at a i was at a a networking event where we were 15 people sitting at a like a, a long boardroom style table and wow it got my nerves going and my blood pumping and like made me nervous it made my throat clench when i tried to talk and it was like all these like you know a lot of it i'm i'm intimidated by these people not in a just because i, I you know they're they have i'm the youngest guy around and they have a ton of experience but there's something so powerful between in in being in front of someone face to face and shaking their hand it's like this cheat code nowadays right <laughs> it's like i could call him a hundred times yeah, I could send him like one of these. I I could send him fresh cookies or or whatever, even if it's his favorite thing over and over. But he, just shaking his hand doesn't. There, there's. We still haven't done like really understood how much there is behind human connection, physical human connection. Like in jujitsu, the physical touching of other people and in interaction gives you this bond. Mm-hmm. that's so strong and tangible and palatable when you're in the gym but it's really hard to explain and some like a lot of other sports that i've done in this town that are very active very intense very exhilarating they don't bring that aspect where you're touching other guys and other girls in a respectful manner in a, a manner where you're trying to submit them yes but there there's something like it's it sounds overstated but it's it's i mean science almost has left it to be 
either ignored or magical, mm-hmm. right? And I think it's somewhere in between. It's it's probably understandable at some level, but there always also is something just really special about having in-person interaction. And I think with politics, that would be a game changer for me to be able to meet people face-to-face that think they know what they're talking about, right? Because you can, you can, your bullshit detector works way better in person. You just need to shake their hand and take them right to the floor, dude, and go right for the submit. <laughs> just, <laughs> just pull guard. And... Yeah, <laughs> just take them down. <laughs> well, I, I, They'll be like, wow, that guy was really good. Or, He's really cool. I don't know why. They'll never get it. <laughs> that's, the ironic, that's the ironic thing is there's no place I've found that would be more appropriate for I agree. this charged political conversation than in the jujitsu gym. Yeah. No, I, I like the people idea. get it out, right? People get it out on the mat. Yeah. And then afterwards it's like, dude, you can hit me with the strongest, I, most <laughs> out there opinion, and I'm gonna set you straight. Yeah. If I think you're wrong. Sure. But like, I'm not gonna get flustered at all. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm not gonna like my blood like dude, you <laughs> They're not gonna be you just choked me out. I just like, right are gonna be like <laughs> he's still a pretty good guy. I, I like him a lot. <laughs> yeah, right. Like we're all humans. We yeah. like and it makes it that's the thing. When you're face to face, it's easier to understand why people have what what sometimes sounds like a crazy opinion is not. Or other times what really is a crazy opinion, but then you can help them work it out or or point it out and just, just know that it's that it's crazy. Um Well, we've we've uh bobbed and floated and skirted yes, we have. Down, yes, we have down the river and and um Yeah, that was that was very enjoyable, man. Is there any place that you want people to be able to find you? Oh, or man. do you want to remain incognito? Incognito. You know, if if for any reason you find yourself um, out here in the gorge and you like a guy to, you know, uh, how would I want to put this? I'm a techie guy. I like cars and stuff, but I'm also very easy to get along with. And so you can always learn more about me and my business at brettstomps.com. Uh, that's with two T's. Just to make sure that's out there. Brett with two T's. Yes. Not stomps yeah. with two T's. Yes, yes. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> B-R-E-T-T-S-T-O-M, as in Mary, P-S, dot com. Otherwise, um, come out and enjoy the fireworks. That'd be all I could really say. It's kind of abrupt, but um, Hood River Fireworks is a great show. Yeah, perfect. I know I know a lot of people uh, really appreciate it, and maybe even some of our listeners. So Yeah. If you do watch the fireworks, uh, yeah, maybe give give Brett a, a shout out because he's kind of the man uh, running it these days. So thanks so much for coming yeah, on this dude. Thank you show today, Brett. for having me out here. This is wonderful. Um, I really appreciate the conversation with you as always. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Um, well, thanks so much for tuning into the show, and we look forward to checking in with you guys next time. Be well.